We want a good-looking church. We want to bring people to a good place. We want to bring people. This is where people will be trained up. This is where they'll be equipped. And so we're excited about this building. Um, those of you, you know, there's, there's some in here that may have just be here for your first time. And so you're getting a look um, at the, I mean, this is the foundation. This is literally what we're on. We're on a foundation and, and four walls. So, uh, but we've got all those walls that we tore down, and we'll, we'll put them right back up. Um, and just in case anybody's wondering, there are French doors out the side of here that will bring them in. They bring them down this long hallway. And then we've got French doors back here, so we're not stuck trying to get them in this front door here. That's all you see. It's in, it's in the unseen right now, but we have uh, double doors to be able to drag all that in. And um, we'll get the walls up. We'll get the classrooms up. We'll get your kids back in classes where they can get served and get taught the word on their level. Amen. That's our desire. That's what we want to do. Hallelujah. Um, Pastor Earl this evening, most of you know he is in uh, Huntington, West Virginia, with Pastor Daryl Huff, uh, Pastor Daryl Huffman, um, he's ministering there for his uh, VMI conference. It's a conference that Pastor Daryl has um, for all of his pastors that are under him uh, within his association. So Pastor Earl and his wife are up there. They left uh, Friday evening, I think it was, and just took their time getting there through yesterday, and um, they're up there ministering. So let's pray for them real quick. Father, we thank you for our pastors. We thank you. Uh, that he is strong. He's probably either ministering now or about to minister, Father. I think you give him the words of wisdom, the words to speak to that body, Father. I thank you for their trip, that they uh, had safe goings getting there, and that they will have uh, safe travels on their way back later this week, Father. I thank you uh, for the rest, the rest upon their lives, that they will get back, get uh, to a point to be able to sit back and, and soak in the word from the different ministers that are speaking this week, Father. I thank you. Uh, that they will come back strengthened um, and, and ready to get back to work, ready to get back to the kingdom of God that we're releasing in St. Augustine and here in Valdosta, Father. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, this evening, I've got a message that I believe is uh, much needed for the body of Christ. <clears throat> and um, I've started to see some things in the past, about the past year or so, in the church um, and it has to do with fruit. There's a lot in the Bible said about fruit. There's a lot in the Bible said about bearing fruit, good fruit, bad fruit, um, cutting away so you can bear more fruit. There's all kinds of things in there, but I want to make sure that we understand what the fruit is. Um, we have seen some tragic things happen in the church and people claim to be led by the Spirit of God, but I'm having to question this. And I just really began to question, how can you know? How can you know? How can you know they're hearing by the Spirit of God? Because, you know, there's things out there that doesn't seem like the Spirit, doesn't seem like what the Holy Spirit would do. Um, and it just began to be revealed to me what we need to be looking for. The title of my message tonight is called Culture Shock. We're going to talk about a culture in the kingdom of God. It becomes very, the, the kingdom just makes everything so simple. If you haven't been here on, on Wednesdays, on our Wednesday evenings, we've been discussing kingdom mind renewal. Um, now, I say that. I never really got to it on Wednesday. We kind of laid a foundation. <clears throat> but we've been discussing what the kingdom of God is, how to have that mentality, how to think and process the kingdom of God in our own lives. How is it evident in our lives? And we want to see these things. So, 
Um, our Wednesday evening services have been great. I'm going to be in this series for a while. Um, I know I'll be in it for at least 10 weeks, and then from there, probably just laying more foundation of the kingdom. Um, but when you understand the kingdom, you understand how a kingdom works, how, a, how the government system of God works. Um, it's very simple to begin to identify if you're of the kingdom or if, if you're not. It's very simple. And Jesus went, through all out, went throughout all his ministry preaching about this kingdom. He wasn't preaching about something that we're going to receive later. He was preaching about the government of God that's being established on this earth. He was bringing back what God meant to be here the entire time and what man got away from. In essence, it's a new message that's really old. It's new to us because we're just beginning to hear about it or we're just beginning to see it revealed in God's word. Um, but it's, it was God's original tent from the Garden of Eden. And so we've been laying that foundation on Wednesdays. But with that being said, I want to help us understand the culture. Every government system has a culture. A culture is simply this. I'll give you a definition. It is behavior and characteristics of a certain people group. Very simple. The culture of a country is the behavior and characteristics of that country. And the great thing about culture is it identifies who you belong to. Very simple. We live in America. There is American culture. There's a way of doing things here. There's a certain uh, way that you live. There's a certain way that you drive. There's a certain way that things look like. There's a certain way that you talk. Culture identifies all these things. It's all wrapped up. The way you talk, the way you look, uh, the way you react to things, the way you respond, the way um, that you approach situations is all wrapped up in your culture and how you were brought up and, and that culture being uh, developed within you. This is what culture is. You know, from culture we get the word cult. It's not an evil term. It's not an angry Don't Don't leave just because I said cult inside of a church. Um, cult is simply a group of people that have the same ideal, same ideals um, and, and same, they approach things the same way. They have the same belief system. That's what a cult is. We also have the word cultivate. We have the word cultivate, which means to just simply mature someone or something in a belief system or in a way of doing things. Um, you know, I know we've got people in here that work with crops and work with farming. You know all about cultivating. You know all about maturing crops and, and making sure that they develop the way that you want them to, and then you know when to pluck them, when not to pluck them. You, I know it's getting time. We're getting. You told me it's go time. Tommy, it's go time. It's time to start pulling some stuff up, right? We've got things that are being cultivated. So this is where we get these words from. In this earth, we have to understand this. In this earth, there are two cultures that operate. Now, we, we see cultures within every country and within every region. I mean, for me, I'll go ahead and tell you this. I had a major culture shock seven years ago. I moved from Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, big city, big town. I mean, you're in a rush to get everywhere. And my culture shock was going to St. Augustine, Florida, a beach town. Ain't no one in a hurry for nothing. They're just... And uh, I won't begin to talk to you about my driving record. There's some people that uh, have a little insight into my driving record. Uh, it wasn't good for about the first two years. Why? Because I, I had a culture shock. I had a problem adapting to a new culture. And it was very identifiable. I did not belong to this culture. 
everybody that saw my little red truck at the time weaving in and out of traffic and in a hurry to get everywhere and riding your bumpers to get you to go faster. You're not going faster, so I'm looking for the next second, next chance to get around you and then cut you off to let you know you're going really slow. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll, I would let you know. Uh, my character has, let's just say that I've understood my culture. I've understood where I belong now. <clears throat> um, I can still put the gas on it if I have to, but... It's even worse now. I've got a truck with a V8, and I, I just fly around everywhere if I need, if I wanted to. Um, but it's not that bad anymore. But um, I had a culture shock when I first moved, um, and it took me a little bit to figure out. Okay, I'm just gonna have to pace myself. I'm gonna have to give myself more time to get to work, more time to get places. Uh, patience was being worked in my life. It, patience was being cultivated in my life. I mean, we're talking about characters, so we'll go ahead and say it. Uh, these things were uh, being planted in me because I needed to adapt to where I was. Now, this word adapt simply means to just conform to your surroundings. But we need to learn what are our true surroundings. Because too many of us in the body of Christ today are governed by what they see. They're governed by the realm they live in. They're governed by how they feel. They're governed by what they're thinking. And we have to change this. Because if we are going to live a kingdom life, you have to think a kingdom life. I've been saying this for, well, I mean, since I've had the microphone, since we've started approaching different situations in the kingdom, that if I can't get you to think a certain way, I can't get you there. We'll take, a, take for example, this church. This church is not a small church. This church is a beginning church. This church is the beginning church. We have to get out of the small church mentality. But here's the problem. If I can't get you to think big church, and if I can't create that vision for you, you will never get past that. I've given the example of our finances. If I can't get you to think outside of your potential where you're at financially, if you're in, if you're in debt, if I can't get you to think outside of debt, then I can't get you to live outside of debt. Your life is governed by what you think. So we have to change a thought process before we can change a lifestyle. This is, this is key. So for us to understand the culture that we're in, we have to think according to a different culture. We can't be governed by what we see. Now, like I said, there's only two, two cultures, and they are constantly at conflict. It's the culture of the world, sin nature, and it's the culture of the kingdom, of heaven, period. Uh, of all the wars that are taking place right now, of all uh, the, the conflicts and struggles between uh, men on this earth, brothers and sisters and family members and fathers to sons, mothers, of all the conflicts that are taking place in this world right now, the greatest conflict is in your mind. It's do I live according to the government of God or do I live according to the government of this world? And I don't mean just the American government, I mean the sin nature and how it caught. Because let me put it this way. No matter what action you take place, you're always submitting yourself to some form of government. You're either submitting yourself to God. If you rebel against God, you're simply submitting yourself to the enemy. That's all you're doing. Adam and Eve in the garden, when they disobeyed God, they simply said, yes, Satan, I will do it the way you say to do it. That's all it was. 
we, 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 we get it out of, we, we get stuck on rebellion to God, but you are in submission to somebody or something. Nobody sins just to sin. Nobody sins on accident. You sin based upon your surroundings and based upon what you're providing in your life to sin against. I mean, if we have a problem with what we watch, then we need to quit making provision in our life to watch that. Get rid of the TV. Unplug it. Get it out of your house. Get rid of cable. Uh, if we have a problem with spending, then we need to get rid of the credit cards that are in our wallets that are making provision for us to live that way. You see where we're going. That sin doesn't, it's not an accident. We don't just fall in, oh, man. I slept with someone outside of my marriage. What am I doing here? No, that is not, that's not an accident. It's been going on. It's been a thought process in your mind. That thought process creates a lifestyle. So we see that the two cultures that are at conflict uh, in the world today. We have the world, we have heaven. First step in understanding culture is identifying who you belong to. First step. I can't talk to you about culture if you don't know who you belong to. I can't talk to you about being an American citizen if you don't know that you are an American citizen. I mean, if you're wondering, I don't know what country I'm from. I don't know where I belong to. I don't know, I don't know where I'm at today. Well, then I, I can't begin to talk to you about the American culture and the American way of doing things. If you don't know that, we've got to identify that first. So let's look at a few verses here. First one's John chapter 17. John chapter 17 and verse 15. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. This is Jesus in the garden uh, right before he's about to be taken, cap- uh, taken into captivity. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So Jesus is quickly identifying here who you're not of. You are not of the world. Colossians chapter 1. And I, I've got a lot, I'll, I'll tell you what, I've got a lot of notes, I've got a lot of verses, and we'll see how far we get and where the Holy Spirit goes. I, I want to do better than just give you information, I want to give you revelation. So, we'll see what the Holy Spirit wants to do tonight. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, and we'll start with verse 12. It's Paul writing, he says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. It always helps to know where you're at to sometimes identify where you've come from. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us. That word conveyed us has simply transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, through the forgiveness of sins. One more verse, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. So, so far we've identified we're not of the world. We've been taken out of the power of darkness, and we've been transferred into the kingdom. So let's look at one more verse. We want to uh, have witness of two or three here uh, to, to lay this out. So First Peter chapter 2, we're going to start with verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you again, out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at this right here. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So, so far we've identified we're not of the world. 
We've been taken out of darkness, brought into the kingdom. And then this last one says we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. These are kingdom terms right here. These are king, this isn't just, you know, Bible stuff. They're not just, uh, you know, let's talk about a kingdom. Uh, you know, this word was directed and written by God himself. These terms are in here for a reason. Called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You once were not a people, but now are the people of God. So this is what we've identified so far. This is where we're at. We've got the two cultures laid out. The two cultures brought out. Now, I have to, I have to lay this foundation for us to fully understand culture. I have to talk government. So just bear with me for a minute. Follow me. But a, a culture is laid out by a government. A culture is not, you didn't just wake up one day and said, I think I'm an American citizen, so I'll act like an American citizen. There's certain ways, certain laws that have been put in place that control this. Whoever, whoever controls the mind of an individual in the kingdom creates their culture or creates their lifestyle. Again, we just said that your culture is your lifestyle. It's how you live. It's the behavior and the characteristics. So your behavior, your characteristics are outlined by whoever controls your mind. I drive the way that I drive down this road if it's you know 45 or 50 or whatever it is out here. I hope it's not any less than that because <laughs> I don't think I've hit, I don't think I've gone 35 down there. <clears throat> I drive that way because someone has set in place a law that now controls my behavior, controls how I drive on that road. Now, of course, I can get out of alignment, and then I'm unrighteous. But the law is what controls the, law is what controls the culture. That's what controls, that's what creates in your mind what you're to do, and then creates the culture or the lifestyle that you live by. When Jesus came to this earth, he did not bring a religion. He brought a kingdom. A kingdom is simply the domain or territory of a king. We know that God is our king. We know this. Okay? So we can understand this, that when, when Jesus introduced the kingdom, he also introduced a culture. When he introduced a kingdom, when he introduced a new government system, that means that he automatically introduces a new culture, a new way of doing things. And we see this. Let's look over in Matthew chapter 5. I want to lay this out for you because we have to see this. I can't go anywhere else without first laying this out. Let's go to Matthew chapter Matthew chapter 5. Let's look at verse 17. Matthew 5:17. I've got I've to lay this out for us to understand this. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. Now, let's look on down here. Verse 21. I'm going to identify something real quick, so I want you to follow me here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, 
and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother, everyone say angry. Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. What is Jesus doing? He's raising the standard of the law. He's he's identifying the new culture. Let me show you. Religion. I just mentioned earlier that religion is a list of do's and don'ts. It was rules that the religious leaders and that the people of this time were governed by. Strict rules. I mean, if you go through Leviticus, you go through you go through all these different books, and you find out that there was a lot that they had to do just to abide by the law. I mean, they're killing all kinds of animals. They're offering all kinds of sacrifices. Uh, if they sinned against someone, they're having to go to their... I mean, it's strong stuff laid out. And Jesus just said, I didn't come to do away with that. I came to fulfill it. I came to show you how to live according to the law the right way. Religion is about an outward action. The kingdom is about an inward action. Or not even an inward action, but an inward response. Let me show you. He said here, your law says that if if you murder someone, you're in trouble. Outward action. Jesus said if you're angry with someone, inward feeling. Let's go down. Let's look at another one. He does it again. Verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust. So here we have commit adultery. Outward action. Lust. Inward feeling. What's Jesus saying? He's saying that for you to abide by the law, it starts within you. And he makes this statement over in Luke chapter 17, verse 21. He said, for, don't look here, don't look there for the kingdom, because he had these religious leaders coming to him saying, Where, where's this kingdom you're talking about? When, when are you going to show us this kingdom? And he says, don't look here, don't look there, for the kingdom is within you. It's inside of you. That means for the kingdom to advance in this earth, it, it hinges on whether or not you let it out. It hinges on whether or not you bring it to your job. It hinges on whether or not you allow the kingdom to come out of you anytime you come in contact with someone. It's no longer just about if you actually commit the action. It's now the kingdom is within you. And if you continue to uh, invest in those thought processes, if you continue to allow those thoughts and those feelings to creep up inside of you, that you will eventually commit the outward action of the inward feeling. This is where he's going. Religion lays out, do this, don't do this. Uh, Say this, don't say this. Act like this. Do this on this day. And Jesus is saying, it's all about your heart. It's all about the kingdom within you. And I'll say this. If you do not allow the kingdom to operate within you, you will not see the kingdom operate in your world. If you don't let the kingdom operate within you, you can put it this way. If you don't let the kingdom of God to operate within you, then you won't operate within the kingdom. If it's not exercised within you first then you won't live in the kingdom in your job, in your home, in your marriage, with your kids, 
with your families, with your co-workers. You won't see the kingdom of God advance there because you first haven't let it take place within you. And that's what Jesus is saying. So uh, for me to, to lay out the kingdom, I have to get you to understand that it's governed by your inward thoughts. It's governed by your inward feelings. We see this over in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is probably one of my favorite passages, and I've almost found that really no matter what I'm teaching, I can go here because it's outlined so well. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. See, now we're talking about something on the outside. We're talking about this is how you, this is how you get yourself to look a certain way on the outside. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. He's saying for you to look different on the outside, you've got to think different on the inside. It begins on the inside. We're not just identifying. We're not, I'm not just going around and labeling, yeah, you look like a Christian. You look like a Christian. No, you don't, you don't really talk like a Christian. We're identifying that there's a transformation taking place on the inside, on the inside of us. The transformation on the inside should lead to a different look on the outside. What you think on the inside is what you become on the outside. Very simple. So we saw this, that the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus said uh, that the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. I can't look at you and say, they're of the kingdom, they're of the kingdom, you're not of the kingdom. I can't do that right off the bat. The best way to say this is that the kingdom of God is within you, that it begins on the inside. Now, this is the problem that we've had is because we've tried to look a certain way as believers, but aren't really, don't really have the kingdom of God operating within our lives. And this is the dilemma that we've had. This is the dilemma that we face. How can we really know someone's hearing by the Spirit of God? How can we really know someone's operating within the kingdom? How can we identify this then? If it's on the, I can't see inside Josh's spirit, man. I can't see his spirit, man, and say, man, he's filthy. On the outside, you know, he, he can talk the talk. On the outside, he can walk the walk a little bit. But I don't know what he's doing at home. I don't know what, he's, what his spirit, man, is processing. So how do we know? And this is what we have to identify. And I saw this. I actually saw this on the drive down, and so we'll get there in just a minute. But first I want to go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We've got to get away from the do's and the don'ts, and we've got to get over to the lifestyle inside of us. We can't change our world if we're not willing to change ourselves. You can't change around you what you're not willing to change within your own life. Period. I can't go and be an influence in my job and, and help somebody in my job if I'm not willing to change something in my own life. And if you remember back in Romans chapter 12, there were only two options. Conform, transform. That's it. If we're not transforming, then we're conforming. And conforming simply means to become a camouflage, 
to look like our surroundings, to take on what's around us. You eventually will fit in with the world if you don't step out in the kingdom. So we've got to identify how can we get ourselves changed and how can we identify this in other people. Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to start with... Let's start with verse 21, and then I'm going to backtrack from there because we're going to identify something. Uh, 7 verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now this is strong. This is strong because we've had this thought process in the church. that Man, there's miracles happening. I mean, they're laying hands on people and demons are coming out. I mean, did you see that person give a tongue and interpretation in church? I mean, they're definitely being led by the Spirit. I mean, they must be filled by the Spirit. They must be filled with the Spirit. And Jesus is telling us right here that that's not the identifier. That's not the identifier. That's not what we look at and say, yep, they got it. And I'll tell you, in my own personal life, I've seen this. I've seen people in church, man, they can move. They can move in the Spirit. I've seen them lay hands on people. I've seen people be healed. I've seen the the tongues and interpretation, they're flowing, prophecy coming out. I mean, you're thinking, dude, if anybody's getting into heaven, they got the golden ticket right here. I mean, if, if anyone, I mean, that might as well be the Holy Spirit standing right there. And that's not it. And I've seen this in my personal life. And let me tell you, the one determining factor to know if someone is truly being led by the Spirit is time. It's the only thing. Give it time. I mean, those of you that farm, those of you that raise crops, you know, it just takes time. You don't plant it one day and you see it the next. It takes time. But let's look back just a little bit because we're going to see what we're given time for. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. And Jesus is saying, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Right there, that tells me that people can fake fruit. They can fake it. They can put it on for a little while. But inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. And he gives you the identifier right here. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know. He says it twice. You will know them by their fruits. And for the longest time, I thought this was works. I'm thinking the works of the Holy Spirit. But let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Let's go over to Galatians chapter 5. So they're not identified. They're not identified by 
their works. They're not identified by what they're doing, the tongues, the interpretations, the prophecies. This isn't how we identify someone in the kingdom. This isn't how we identify someone's culture, someone's lifestyle. Here we go, right here. We've seen it a million times, and here it is. Verse 22, Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. So that's very simple. If you lay hands on the sick and they recover and then turn around and cuss somebody out, are you, are you, do you have the right culture? No. We have to identify the difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And we've got the two mixed up. We've been labeling the gifts as the fruit. They're, the miracle, the signs and wonders going through their hands. They're prophesying, casting out demons. You've got the gift of faith, gift of tongues and interpretation. No, that's the gift of the Spirit. And the gift of the Spirit isn't for you. You look at every single gift of the Spirit, and it's given through you for someone else. You don't have the gift of faith for you. You have the gift of the faith to get someone healed. You don't have the gift of miracles. You have the gift of miracles to get somebody healed. You don't have the gift of tongues and interpretation so I can speak a tongue and interpret it to myself and know what the Holy Spirit... I give it to edify the body. That's the difference. We've been identifying the gifts as fruit, and that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Don't go to your job... And see someone hurting, see your coworker hurting and say, oh, let me pray with you. And then a customer comes up that's, and all of a sudden you can't operate in patience. All of a sudden we can't have self-control in our lives when we're alone and no one's looking. And we can't put something down. We're not operating in love. We don't have joy everywhere we go. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Do we always feel like having joy? No, that's why Paul had to go and say, Count it all joy. Just go ahead and count it joy because Jesus has already overcome the world. Be of good cheer. These are the fruits of the Spirit. Goodness. Faithfulness. Coming to church and and being ready to give a tongue and interpretation, but you can't be faithful to be an usher and show up on time or do your job. This is the fruit of the Spirit, not the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what Jesus was identifying. He said, this is how you will know them. And I can literally go down the line, every single person. And the only only determining factor for us was time. That was it. Fruit does not come up overnight. This is why in ministry, we wait to put people in ministry. We, we, We see people's heart. That's what it means to see someone's heart. It's the fruit of the Spirit evident in their life. I don't care what you did in your last church. I don't care, uh, uh, you know, how high up you were, how close you were to the pastor. I want to see some fruit. We want to see some fruit. In the body of Christ today, we're seeing failure because we're not looking for fruit. We're looking at people's works. How good can they talk it? How good can they walk it? 
How much Bible knowledge do they have? Bible knowledge, isn't, that's not the culture of the kingdom. If you study the book just like any other book, yeah, you're going to get a head full of knowledge. And you're going to have a spirit that's empty. Nothing to live off of. We've got to identify the fruit. We've got to identify the love in people's lives, the joy in people's lives, the peace. Do you have peace? Do you go into your job just as worried about getting laid off as everybody else? There's no peace. There's no fruit of the Spirit. And I'm ta- you, you hear me saying a lot of terms outside the church because your fruit is best sh- uh, seen there. Because we can all put it on inside these four walls. We can all come to church and act holier than thou and, and, and believe we got it all together. And then we get to our jobs and ain't no one from church there. And they don't see us. They, I can go ahead and, and drink this here because I don't see anybody here from church. That's not fruit. That's not fruit. We, wanna, we just want to throw the gifts around. And all fruit can be fake for a season. You can put it on. I mean, Jesus said it. Wolves in sheep's clothing. That means they really are a wolf, but they look like a sheep. I just want to see what a wolf in sheep's clothing actually looks like. I bet that's hilarious. But I think we would quickly figure out that, man, that thing doesn't stand like a sheep. That thing doesn't, I've never heard a sheep growl like that before. Right? And I think things would start eventually coming out and saying, that ain't no sheep. That's a wolf. That's a wolf. It's, it's hungry. It's wanting to eat up some sheep is what it's wanting to do. There's people like that. I mean, Jesus said it. Paul said, watch out for these people. Peter said, watch out for these people. Peter warned Timothy to watch out for these people. This must be a pretty strong message. They keep, they keep bringing it up. They keep, watch out for people that will try to fool you. Watch out for people that will try to bring to them teachers. Watch out for people that have itching ears and only want to see the next new hottest thing. Watch out for people that don't really care about the word. They just want to rise up to and be an exalted to a position. There's a reason why this keeps, keeps on being brought up. So real quick, I want to identify three things. Three things that understanding culture helps in our lives. First thing, understanding culture allows you to be fully backed by the governing authority. If I understand the culture of America, understand what a speed limit sign is for, understand what a stop sign is for, understand what, how a traffic light works, guess what? I'm going to be fully backed. If I get a car accident because I went through a green light and somebody else went through a red light, guess who they're going to back? The one that operated according to the culture. If I don't understand culture, if I don't understand where I'm living, if I don't understand, very simple, the the culture of a certain speed zone. If it goes from 70 to 45, and I don't understand that the culture just went from 70 to 45, and my behavior doesn't follow suit, I'm going to get busted, and what are you going to say? Because I didn't understand the culture, now I'm not going to be backed. The government's not going to back me up. Number two, understanding culture allows you to operate in compliance with the governing authority. Just like I said, when you understand culture, when you understand, uh, you know, we see this in our jobs. When you go to, when you start a different job, there's a different culture in that job than where you came from before. You can't go there and say, but at my old job, I went to lunch at this time. 
No, I, I, I know that you guys don't close till 6, but my old job, I got off at 4.30, so I, I'll see you at 4.30. No, I operate in compliance. I get off at 6 o'clock because I understand, okay, you guys don't close. All right, well, then I'll stay till 6. Very simple. Understanding culture allows you to operate in compliance with the authority. And thirdly, this is our favorite one, understanding culture allows you to enjoy all the benefits of the kingdom of God. If we understand the culture of the kingdom, if we understand what God brought to this earth and don't identify ourselves with the culture around us, but with the unseen culture, the unseen kingdom, then all the benefits are ours. All the health is ours. All the prosperity is ours. All the blessings are ours. Health is a benefit of the kingdom. That's not something we need to be fighting and struggling for. That should be automatic. The first place you should look is if, if sickness and disease comes on you is, all right, am I right? Is there some place I'm missing it? I mean, Jesus said it himself that your prayers of faith will be hindered if, you're, uh, if you have ought against your brother. If you're fighting your brother, don't expect healing to come. Don't expect your faith to be activated. Very simple. We see this throughout the word. That people were hindered from reaching something or getting somewhere. I mean, an entire nation was hindered because one man stole something when a, when a, a nation went to battle. Over in Joshua, Achan grabbed some stuff when God said, hey, we're just going in. I know that there's been times we've gone in and taken stuff before, but this time we're going in and we're leaving it all there. We're not touching it. Kill everything. And an entire nation was put down because of what one man did, one man sinned. That shows, you, uh, that shows you the kingdom right there, that you're all in the kingdom and everyone is tied together. I mean, that, that identifies that right there. The entire nation loses the next battle that they should have easily whipped because one man. But you enjoy the benefits when you operate according to the culture. When you're living according to God's word, you know, if we go back to that, I love this. I saw this earlier in the car on the way down. I was just meditating over what we're doing in Matthew chapter 7. You know, where he says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Okay? And in my Bible, that's separated. I've got these cool little headings over paragraphs that tell me what that next paragraph's all about. And, you know, i got this little heading that says, Build on the rock. That's a good story. But there's a word there in verse 24 that says, therefore. What's that word? It's connecting the previous paragraph to what I'm about to read. That's what that's doing. So he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. What's he saying? You don't want to look like this person? You don't want to be the person that I have to turn to and say, no, you didn't do these works in my name. Depart from me. I never knew you. Go to the pit. Go to the lake of fire. You don't want to be that person? Listen to what I'm saying and do them. That's the culture of the kingdom. And when you're in compliance to God's word, when you're not simply just hearing it, coming to church, again, the whole religious ritual thing, this isn't a religious ritual, we're here to get trained up and equipped to go out in the world and conquer this city for the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. And if you're just here just to, well, went to church this week, feel a little better about myself. 
then we're not the person that's listening and doing. We're not going to be the person that has fruit identified in our lives. Going to church, don't make you a kingdom citizen. Here's a good one. Tithing, offering, don't make you a kingdom citizen. It's the application of the word of God and it's the fruit being developed in our lives. It's the culture that's being developed in our lives. Josh, if you'll come. We've got to get this culture laid out. We've got to get it laid out. But the only way you get it out there is if you get it in here first. The kingdom of God is within you. Is within you. I know that this room right now is full of people that want to go out and get this city in the kingdom of God. I know that. But I heard someone say this once. What you say is 30%. What you do is 70%. There's got to be a lifestyle. There's got to be a way that we live. People see this. People know this. It's amazing because people, people will come down on you because of things you do, the way you talk. Oh, you're one of those Christians. But the second you do something that they think you should be allowed to do, oh, I thought you were a Christian. I think that's so crazy. You don't drink? No, I'm, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. That's just not how we live. But then if you were to do it, the same person will look right at you and go, I thought you went to church. Okay, which is it? What are you looking for? They're looking for someone that's going to live according to a kingdom that's not of this world. I'm telling you, if you live according to a, a government system that's not of this world, then you're going to look a little different than the world. I mean, if, if we're light in darkness, you're going to stand out a little bit. You're going to look a little different. You're going to, I mean, there should be nothing that ties us to the world. It doesn't mean that we don't get along with them. That doesn't mean that, I mean, if we're walking in love, then we're getting along. Brother Curry, we can, we can leave it off. That's fine. If there's some, I mean, if we're, I'm not saying that we go into our jobs and, nope, I'm a Christian, I can't, I can't talk to you, because that's not a love walk. These are all the different characteristics. I would... For every single person in this room, I would find time to go look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And go through the fruits of the Spirit. Go through them and just look. Love. Is that operating in my life? Joy. Can people see that in my life? Am I a joyful person? Peace. And I'm not saying if you miss it once or if there's an opportunity to, to be patient with someone and you're not and you're in a rush with them. You just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want people to identify me as a citizen of your kingdom, I want that culture to show in my life. And we get it right. Long-suffering, self-control, faithfulness, goodness. Go back and and look at these. I mean, if you need to get a dictionary out and and help you define what some of these words are, do it. Because that's what's important in our lives. It's It's not how we can talk it or how much of the Bible we know. 
We want to be identified by the fruits. I want, to, I want everyone in this room to just take a moment right here. Examine within your own life. Examine with, what areas can I become stronger in? What areas can, can more fruit be identified in my life? What, what fruit can I work on? Can I be more loving? Can I have more joy? Can I be more patient with people and not so quick and not so short? Can I operate with more self-control and hold back from things? Hold back from saying something? Hold back from thinking something? Just take a moment right now where you're at and just identify those things in your life. Examine your own self. Examine your life. This message is for every single person in the room, not excluding me. There's things that I can work on. There's areas that I could become stronger in. But when it's all said and done, I want the kingdom to come out of me in every situation, everything that I do. Hallelujah. I'll close with this. The kingdom is not just for you. And if we truly believe that, if we truly believe that the kingdom is not just to get me somewhere, but it's to impact other people, the fruit is how we do it. You don't know what can happen when you walk in love towards somebody. You know, you think about it this way, you know, when you... You go to a new job and people find out you're a Christian. They might make fun of you a little bit, talk about you. But what happens when they go to the doctor and find out they're having cancer? They, got, they have cancer. Who are they going to? They go into their friends that they drink with? Now, hey, you're one of those God people, right? You're one of those church... Because you put me on your church's prayer list. Right? That's what they do. Who's the first person they come to and say, man, I lost my job today. You think you could throw up a prayer to God for me? Right? They don't, they don't know the terminology. They don't know. You chalk one up there to the, the big man upstairs. Maybe, you know, maybe I could land something. Who are they coming to? We want them to come to us. We want to be different. Because when it comes down to life or death, when it comes down to lack and prosperity, you're going to be the one they come to. Because there's something different about you. Yeah, I know you don't do none of that drinking stuff and you don't hang out at this place and you don't talk like this. But um, I, I got a serious problem and I need some help. And I think you're the one. You. The one they were making fun of. The one they were talking about. The one they were laughing at. And here they are. They need some help. My child, my child's sick. I just found out, you know, he's got a serious issue. They're coming to you. They're coming to you, amen. Well, Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you that we've had the opportunity to identify.